Welcome back to This Is Hardcore Podcast. You are going to listen to me blather on for roughly 49 minutes, which I'm going to try to keep it to in honor of being the 49th episode. That being said, with the technical difficulties that I had two weeks back when I released episode 48, I didn't want to quickly release an episode and then not get the love and attention to Rob and his story from the episode. So for those of you who had asked, hey, where was the episode? I'll go over it really quick if you're not really a social media person, just check into the podcast. I use SoundCloud as my host and I'd uploaded like I upload all my episodes Friday morning in the Friday afternoon episode didn't get picked up for Spotify or iTunes or Google and I started emailing I don't know if it was over the weekend they don't answer emails but between Saturday and Tuesday it was a lot of back and forth SoundCloud saying we don't have a problem iTunes Google and Spotify being like we don't have anything for a new episode but you're updated and um so someone from Google going back and forth finally was like, you know, try re-uploading the episode. And as soon as I did that, within a couple minutes, boom, the episode was up. But I mean, it was like Tuesday or Wednesday, middle of the week. So, excuse me, I know there's been technical difficulties in the past, especially, God forbid, all of you guys early on listening, when I had a half-assed idea, even how to use my microphone. And then once we shifted over to... Uh, away from Audacity into Reaper. I know there's been technical difficulties, but I never suspected a, that my computer would fail, giving us two weeks off, and then we get back and we're running, and we do a fucking amazing episode with a good friend, Rob, and we have a load problem. So, my apologies once again. Looking at everything going on in hardcore, it'd be impossible for me not to kind of not get on a soapbox, or what do they call it, soapbox, or, you know, let me tell you how I feel, but I try to stay out of that shit, especially because everyone's dying to give the world their fucking opinion, they don't need mine, but whether you are for VAC cards or your events against it, I would say that the thing to do is remember when all this crazy shit comes to pass and society is more normalized and we figure out whether it's Occasionally during certain seasons we're wearing masks. Whatever whatever ends up being years from now. We're losing the opportunity to keep our civility. We're excluding the perspectives of our friends. In an attempt to, I don't know, but it's just to polarize politics. The need to feel right. The overall frustrations that everyone has with the way this world has been going since 2020 March. But... I think it's time that we exercise a little bit more caution in throwing away friendships in making completely ridiculous blanket statements and attaching people's personal opinions to either spectrum. And I mean that sincerely. There's a lot of people say, oh, you know, I'm down the middle on a lot of things. And I would say that is equal to where I'm coming from. I'm a person who's vaxxed. I'm a person who's vaxxed because I understand what vaccines do. And maybe it's sort of the I don't really give a fuck that much 
to fight, kick, and scream over it or just wanting to be able to wear my mask only when the government then tells us to. Because the minute I got vaxxed, I didn't have to wear my mask. I was walking around at job sites, no fucking problem. I had the vax. You know, it it was very nice. And maybe maybe that made me sell out. I don't know. But I, I also understand the other side of the coin. I understand the people who have questions about the way that the vaccine was rushed out, the testing, the trials, the money that goes to the big pharma companies. And when it comes down to it, like a lot of the politics of play in our country, United States of America, though thank you to Finland and Spain and Portugal and our friends in England and France and Germany who have been chiming in and sending me comments. That's a whole nother topic I'll get to in a few. But back to the main point I'm trying to make here. Our politics are polarized. They're created for division. And we can have a disagreement. We can have a different way of looking at things. But the unifying thing about hardcore was to bring people together. And I don't see that happening online. And I fucking hate it. And this is obviously nothing new. So someone listening like, Joe, what the fuck? We've been fighting for blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, we're fighting because we're playing along. You know, if you didn't have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you might have a crazy friend that tells you some crazy shit. And you'll, you won't even understand what's going on if you weren't online looking at all the bullshit on social media. And so I'd like to see people exercise a modicum of respect and remember that in our times of disagreement, Unless it's something that is completely pure to your heart and a hill you're willing to die on. Give some people some room to think differently than you. And remember that before all this shit happened, if this person was still a good friend of yours, someone you love, someone you look forward to spending time with, and give them the benefit of the doubt. Now that I'm done with that PSA, let's get into some cool shit happening. First off, I really got to say that the way that hardcore is going to continue may not be just from the triple B's and the different labels who have a little bit more push, like the closed caskets, but I got to give love to Bob and those listening like, yeah, Joe always gives love to Bob, but between the rebirth, the rebirth records thing that he's got where he's releasing tapes of bands, Carter and his from within Lumpy and Days, The Streets of Hate. This small return to a very, um, I would say, aesthetically 90s vibe way of running small labels, small press runs is really fucking cool. And it gives new players in the releasing game an opportunity to kind of take some charge and put bands who would have no chance of getting out there a little bit more of a platform. I don't really like the word platform in this situation, but that is what it is. You know, Bob with his best, Lumpy with all the bands, you know, Carter with all the things that he does. These people taking the time and investing money and trying to promote these bands. I mean, hardcore is a crazily beautiful thing when a fucking crazy ass from Alabama is releasing a fucking record from a bunch of kids in Scotland. It's absolutely amazing. And it just 
it reeks of the purity of the 90s when I was first coming into shows. And I felt like every other day there was a new record label releasing a new 7-inch. People were doing tapes. And so as these new people come in with these new ideas or the return to the old ideas that worked so well for us, make sure that we're supporting the stuff. That's how these things are going to last. That's how these things are going to move forward. That's the nature of hardcore in the DIY aspects. And I'm just happy to see people that I like, people that I know who are doing things from the purest sense of their heart to press bands forward who may need a little push. And I love seeing it. Where they say, I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm definitely here for people working hard and trying to expose a new band to a bigger world. What are we going to do about the masks? What are we going to do about the shots? I know people have asked, and I'm in a unique scenario of knowing some of the stuff that's going to come into play with the venues, but also understanding that Philadelphia is Philadelphia. If you live somewhere else, this isn't going to apply. From my understanding, the Live Nation, the AEGs, the big companies who run the bigger venues and are starting to get a hold in the smaller venues are going to enforce vaccination cards, whether they're digital or physical, for everybody involved, from the staff through the different workers who come in during the shows, even the bands. And of course, I don't know if this is going to be the entire crowds or not, because each different company may have their own rules. So only for the city of Philadelphia do I know that they've shifted away from recommending masks but requiring masks for everybody and that includes those that are vaccinated so as these kind of changes move forward they'll be instituted and we'll do our best to follow suit i do not know the best practices for when we do a church show because i'm not going to spend the entire show wrestling people to the ground and forcing them to wear masks so we're gonna have to all treat each other like the way we would want to be treated with a little bit of respect, a little bit of courtesy, and just make this situations work. If the city is requiring masks, we're going to post signs to say, hey, please wear a mask. We even have a box of masks for those who fall or whatever. And I just ask that everybody on each side of the scenario, those who begrudgingly want to wear a mask only to placate people and those who ardently would like everyone to wear a mask, just work with each other because the first big problem we have at a show because of no mask, everyone gets to lose shows and then what the fuck happens? You know, the thing that I do not agree with and I was looking to espouse on a bit is the fact that I cannot see a world continuing if the entire thing continues to get shut down and i'm not talking about hardcore shows i'm talking about real life you know there's a lot of good arguments that the government could have easily given people enough money so they wouldn't go outside and that would have solved everything but i know a ton of people who work for the utilities i know a ton of people who work in the emergency services i know a ton of people who work in civil projects i've worked in civil projects I, this, the idea that the government will just give you money and then the world is better because the government gives you money ignores the entire logistics train that keeps a modern society going. No matter what happened, 
we were going to have to have people working outside to do the various things, whether they're trucking in, bringing the necessary supplies, foods, whatever, and those people even just to bring them to them, you know? And this is the thing that people who have the means did. They sat in their apartments. I mean, I read a report about Amazon and how big the orders were. And it, it disgusts me to think that in all this, obviously, the people that don't need the money, the Bezos of the world, these big profiting companies made more money in the pandemic than anybody else. So stop with the arguing that if the government just gave everybody money, nobody would have gotten sick and this all would have been over. The world cannot stand still. I work in a nuclear facility from time to time doing uh, concrete repairs and concrete additions to the facility. It takes so many people and constant supervisor and maintenance just to keep something like a nuclear plant going so people have power. And we can get a whole other argument about nukes and, you know, what's best for the the safety of everybody. And the only thing I'll tell you is if you're in for solar, then you're going to see a lot of land get used up for solar panels. And I, I know how much power that nuke plant in Limerick, Pennsylvania gives versus the panels. We can go over all that one day in person, but I'm not going to wait podcast time. Be respectful that the people who worked did it because they needed money. And that's really what this comes down to. There are venues that are gone forever. There are people that have lost their homes. There's people on the verge of losing their homes. No one is going through a good time right now. It goes back to the thing I said in the beginning. Give a little bit of space. Give people the benefit of the doubt, which is such a simple idea, but I don't think people press forward. Benefit of the doubt that a person is doing their best and they're not trying to be whether it's sneaky or evil or, you know, betraying the benefit of the doubt in the first place. And we're going to do our best with that. We're going to do our best to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I know that people have faked IDs to drink for as long as they've had IDs. I'm not surprised that people are faking VAT cards. And, and, I, and I don't really have anything to say about it. So it's the nature of things. If you have a document someone's going to figure out a way to bullshit it and so it's not a foolproof plan but maybe it'll help some people now with the covid nonsense talk done for this episode i wanted to go over a lot of the things that i've been thinking about in reaching 50 episodes in the beginning there was no plan besides Sent a bunch of emails to people that I knew did cool things in hardcore. And I was looking for people also who may or may not have ever gone to college. People who may have gone to hardcore in the beginning of their lives and through the connections made careers, whether it's inside or outside the scene or did something way bigger than it. I think we did a decent job of balancing those kind of guests out between obviously making sure that we're talking to people in bands and people that are doing things within the scene. In hindsight, I wish I knew more about recording. I wish I knew more about setting up audio equipment and I wish I'd taken longer and just did a better job. 
overall in the earlier episodes because some of those are some of my favorites still. And then the thought is, did we fuck up? Because if you look at the episode 30, which feels like it was so long ago now, but we had a shit ton of uh, views from the amazing episode with Paris Mayhew on YouTube. Did I fuck up not making this video and audio? I don't know. And we're still we're still thinking. And in fact, I was on Drew Stone's show, the New York Hardcore Chronicles. And it was a YouTube show. And it made me think, like, do we go back? Do we? I mean, I don't know. Do you want to see a talking head? Do you want to see my stupid fucking face? When we have episodes, I know I've had interviews with certain guests on this show who kept the camera off the whole time because we don't use um, the visual. I had a lot of people kind of relieved, like, oh, thank God we don't have to use the video so they can go about it. And in fact, there's quite a few people that also said, hey, Chris being the first, which is interesting because he was our first episode, was like, hey, I'd like to keep my camera on just so it looked like I'm talking to someone. And either either way, we skin the cat. We had some great episodes, and I wonder if there was a misstep there not being a video and audio show at the time. And knowing how bad some of the recordings were, I don't even know if I'd go back. I wish I could have gone back. I don't know. I'll let you guys uh, give me some comments. You guys were really great with the Rob and the patience in it, but the thing for me when I'm thinking about where to take this podcast in the next 50 episodes I got to continue to give these props to these people like the uh, Rob from Will to Live. You know, Texas Hardcore really, really started to come into its own. And, I mean, the whether you want to take the track as far back as uh, Bitter End all the way up through Power Trip. Now you have Frozen Soul and Creeping Death, Judiciary. There's all these newer bands that are coming out, and Texas really looks like it's solid. And... I don't think that all those people that I mentioned, some of them may not know what Rob did, but all of them benefited from what the efforts were people like Rob and Willow did to make Texas hardcore a cohesive thing. And that's also where a lot of this episodes that I've done tie in. There's a ton of people who have done a ton of things and it's like a seed that is sown and what grows, the fruits are um, shared by everybody. But do we really ever know who planted that first seed? And that's something that I've been meaning to touch on. Getting some of these older first-generation hardcore guys have been harder on one end, and then I kind of go to the next thing. If someone's like, oh, I'm not available to keep a weekly show at different times, I've had to improvise and get people on short notice i've had people cancel uh the funny thing about this show now thinking about it is that i should have started it as soon as the covid stuff began because everybody was sitting inside and had the time and now as the world had opened up it was it's still getting harder to get people on a schedule so they can go ahead and say yeah i'll be here and i'll do the show And I'd love to get some of these first-generation people in so you could listen and hear about fruits that were sown that you may never even known, you know, um, seeds that were sown that became the fruits of what we have today. And little by little, 
I make little inroads so you understand this a little bit better through the guests. But by no means is it completely comprehensive. And I don't think that the nature of one podcast can do that. Uh, my hat's off to Zach and the entire 185 South. I mean, incredible fucking podcast. Incredible. He had some encouraging words, some insight into fix the problems, but that podcast to me stands out as kind of like, wow, look at someone who has a group of people together. They're focused. They're touching on cool records now, new people coming in, and then these amazing stories. And I mean, whether you're into Black Flag or Justice League or you're into all the newer California stuff, I mean, he did one of my favorite people in this world, Chris Powerhouse. He had him on the show as Zach's a huge powerhouse fan to the point where I don't even know if I want to do a powerhouse episode to, to my chagrin just because of how good Zach did. But when I think about what a podcast in hardcore does, it's got to be something for me to listen to where I'm learning something or it's going to be something fun or I get to hear my friends. And so there's a good bit of people doing that. Um, X Jamie X. I've been a uh, guest on his show twice. Just had Bob and Greg. I still got to check out that episode. The fucked up thing about having a job that is steady where you can't listen to new shit is if you don't remember to download, you're completely fucked for that day at work. And that's what's happening. So I'm getting behind in my podcasts. So I haven't really been able to give the love and support to my fellow people, whether my friends who are being on guests and my friends that are doing podcasts, but collectively that's where I see this medium for our scene really hitting pay dirt and bringing people in, not only exposing them to new bands, but giving people the references. Again, going back to that thought about those who sowed seeds that would grow to be fruits that other people would enjoy. Um, I was thinking about this some more where, you know, maybe in 10 to 15 block numbers of episodes, we do a tutorial, you know, like a friend of mine, it happens quite a bit, but my one friend really hit me up and was like, Hey, I want to do a, a show, but I don't know what to do. Can I turn to you and ask you for advice? And I started probably at the 101, but you know, started getting to 103 and 104. If this is like a college exam or class ideas, I thought, wow, I don't know if there was a podcast from the hardcore scene where people talked about like, this is how we do a show. This is what we would say to someone who wanted to do a show. This is how you would do your first show. And in going forward, I like the idea of potentially giving new people the opportunity with the tools. I'm sure you could Google a million different things. and I know everyone can fucking Google everything. But if there's one thing in this fucking world to show me is that no one Google shit. And it, it would potentially help and also add some new content ideas to the show in the regards of making sure that not only are we having some cool guests like Scott Vogel, etc. But we're also touching on some ideas that could bring more people to the forefront of doing shit. Like I talked about with the small labels. You know, there are... A multitude of things that happen in hardcore. And I feel that maybe someone is either afraid to ask. Or they just don't know where to turn. And this goes back to that. Ever 
pre or post zines where, you know, in the zine world, there was always how-tos. I just think about sometimes, I said to a friend, like, I wonder how much information is lost sitting in a zine somewhere because people just put it in a box. I mean, I had boxes and boxes and boxes of zines. I've given away so many now, I feel so fucking dumb. But um, thank God, like, we had Chris from In Effect. His book came out. It, it's, it actually blows away the expectations is a fucking solid I got the hard I got the hardback because I remember getting the hardware fanzine anthology and being like fuck I wish this one like a full ass hardcover and that's what this one was and um yeah I don't think that people even realize how much information from hardcore was written down so now in the modern era with these podcasts I wonder how many people don't even listen to them and I, and again Obviously, the guy who writes a zine is going to complain and say, how come people aren't reading zines? The guy doing a show is going to say, how come people don't go to shows? It's just what in the nature of conversation that pops up. But I do feel like there's value and information, old stories, and just stuff that people can learn from that are completely lost in annals and time. And not because there were some Mongols and a fire, but like legitimately, people just never thought to pick it up and, and go through some pages or put a headset in and listen to a podcast. I hope it's not this one because people listening have to understand that sometimes, especially after doing 48 episodes of which some of these, I think, people now, the one good thing I'll say that came from the two weeks off was people thanking me because they had the opportunity to catch up on old episodes. That's another reason why I didn't want to do more than one in a week, just because I know our episodes run long. I know it's a lot to go through, and I know some people don't have the block of time to listen to podcasts as it is, especially when it's getting nice. Who the fuck has the time for that, right? But so some of my ideas on where I think I want to take the podcast, where podcasts have gone, and some people that I think are doing a good job. Make sure also always, whenever we're talking about this, to check out the Broad Street Breakdown, which has a new episode. Vinny, P, OG, Jeff, absolutely some of my favorite people. I got the chance to hang out at Crescent Tattoo Saturday night. Kicked it with the fellas um, outside of a lovely Maniunk. I can't believe gentrification. Like, I've seen it so much in the last 10, 15 years. But Maniunk is on some shit, man. I, I like... Kind of wish we could all just have a day where we just watch videos of um, all the people that walk down that street. But if you ever get a chance to go to Crescent Tattoos, Jeff and Jackie do a great job. So does Jordy. Um, make sure you're listening to the Post-America podcast. Richie has been on fire. That that podcast, obviously, is almost near 200 episodes, which is fucking fantastic. And I've been a guest on that show multiple times. But... For me, I, I still love the one-on-one interviews. I find them to be where a podcast really excels. And the interesting thing about just like a band, you get a show in Philadelphia, you get a show in Baltimore, you get a show in New York, the band's going to have three separate performances because there's three separate crowds. The same way if Scott Vogel was on three episodes for three separate podcasts, each one would be intrinsically different at its core, while retaining some of its main principles because it still is Scott Vogel, 
there's the regular questions that are going to get asked of him no matter who's asking. And so I really like the medium. I like the people that are kicking ass. I like the information that's going forward. And I really appreciate the support this podcast has gotten because it it really does motivate me. And I want to get into why that motivation is really important. Obviously, a lot of what I've done in hardcore has been either for the love of it, for my own personal satisfaction, and just the nature of what happens when you start getting into things. You do one show, next thing you know, there's more bands to book. You start a band, you write some songs, you play some shows, you write some more shit, you play further, you do a tour, you release records. These are cyclical things, and so... Obviously, with COVID talk being a big part of the beginning of this episode, this podcast was a way for me to fill some of the void that was lost in not giving back to the scene in the way of doing shows. But it's hard to always stay on point for me. I would say that at different times I've had some serious anxiety, a lot of high-functioning depression at times. And so having this show to release, having to sit here, even if it's a couple hours before I have to wake up and go to work in the morning, I make sure they come out. I keep myself accountable to the task that I promised that would come out. And so when my computer took a shit, it fucking killed me. And it was hard. And I thank God there's G and Richie and them hit me up. Yo, are you good? What's going on? Don't beat yourself up. Sonny was very helpful. And it, it just having a task, having something to do, and having a focus and having not like, hey, if I do this episode, you know, this is going to bring me anything, blah, 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 financially. It's 100%. This is what I do. I want this podcast to come out. I want people to enjoy the episodes. No one wants to ever do something and have no one enjoy it. So that's straight out in the first place. But for me specifically, because a lot of these episodes have been completely about someone else's story and how it links in to all of our story it really fucking gets me excited when someone writes me and tells me how cool the person's story was because then I know I'm on the right path I know the people that I'm speaking to are hitting the people that I'm listening to and everybody's benefiting and so in my own inner emotional struggles to stay on top of things it's fucking hard and if you're having a problem with depression or anxiety, you have friends around you. And I'm, I'm so fucking lucky to have the people I have around me. Mike Hooligan, Joe McHenry, Max Morton. I mean, the list fucking goes on and on and on of people who check in, make sure Hard Carl, you know, Drew, Drew Rash. If you don't have people around you, you're going to suffer. I mean, it's the small things, but... The people that check in and make sure I'm all right have been helpful in helping me continue through all this shit going on. And it shows it's getting excited about playing music. It's getting excited about my friends is doing stuff. I, I can't stress to you how much over the last 10 years, the last 15 years, I've really tried to learn and grow and change perspectives and stop being such a down negative and just sometimes just a miserable fucking person so i really revel in 
everyone's successes. And I, again, we've said it a million times, but high tide will always raise all ships. And I'm so excited for the things that my friends have going on, which I'm going to spend a good about time talking about now. Let's start off with the fact that December 11th, the Trinity, which is Richie Mancuso from Wisdom and Chains and Fast Break Records and Post America Podcast, Chris Mahmood from Mushmouth and Reverb Concerts, who also has Fast Break Records, and myself came together, fuck, holy shit, <laughs> eight years ago we came together as the Trinity and put on the first Keystone Jam, which, can you believe it's been fucking eight years since the first Keystone Jam? But um, now we have a big show. The only band we can announce right now is Youth of Today. And again, you know, rest in peace to Steve Potashio. I I can't believe that we're in this situation where people that were young and vibrant, and, and even if they were back and forth in life, they were grinding it out and they were getting through, you know, succumb, succumb to the sadness, succumb to being alone, whatever it is, wherever it was. I, I can't think of something that has hit me as hard as Steve taking himself out of the picture because the kid's moshing in a full Santa outfit the whole the whole night. So fucking iconic, big smile, moshing like a total fucking goon, and here he is, you know, and it made me think, like, we do this big fucking show and close to the holidays. How many people, I don't know, maybe I'm different. I, I have miserable fucking holidays. Uh, I would, I'll never put half of that shit out there on the internet or on the podcast, which is then on the internet. Some of my worst holidays, just not enjoyable. But yet, the feeling of love and support from doing that holiday jam was outstanding. Gorilla Biscuits, Shelter, One King Down, Earth Crisis, like Jesus Christ, that was such a cool show. So many amazing fucking bands. So we, we had to go two years without it and thinking about how many more people are pushed to the edge? How many more people need that hug? How many more people need to see some fucking bands and get around the things that they fucking love? And so when Hardcore returned to Pennsylvania, it returned at Reverb with Madball, which was a stellar show. We're bringing back the Christmas Jam. So many fucking bands. Make sure you mark your calendar. I can tell you that we're definitely going to have Bob Wilson for the very first time on this motherfucker. Um, he could have been on here a million times, but I, I said to him, I want you on here to talk about your life, but I also want you to promote FYA. And so he's got an FYA, and it's a fucking banger. And you're all going to want to go. For those listening, um, Fuck Your Attitude, FYA Fest is a product of Bob Wilson, who is my partner in crime, my protege, who is now a master in his own right, no longer a Padawan, but a true Jedi master of hardcore shows and all amazing things. He does it in Tampa, Florida. He's done it for almost 10 fucking years this year. Actually, I think we're getting close I mean, it's it's fantastic what he does. And since it's the very first weekend or second weekend of the year, it really starts hardcore off in the best way. So I'm going to have him on the show. And I'm even thinking about doing two two weeks. One week we do the Bob story. The next week we do the FYA just to pop up FYA. 
And so there's a lot we're going to start doing in that regard. Um, talking about more shows, again, I can't, I can't express how cool it is to see some of these shows, like the Slapshot shows, completely selling out. There's so many of them fucking shows. I think there's like three or four of them now. Slapshot, a band has been around for 35 years. We're due to have Choke on the show. Um, in Philly, the next things that I'm working on, we have two sold-out knock-loose shows at the church. Obviously, the church is a DIY venue. The mask situation is what it is. Again, I'm not choking nobody out for not wearing a mask, but I don't want to see everybody scream and fight and kill each other, call each other Trump or you know liberal and all this shit. Just show up, respect your fucking brother and sisters, and let's get through this. Um, actually, fuck, the day before, the day before the show, Bob actually had me um, do a flyer, something. Let's just go back to the fact that I used to think that my flyers sucked and, you know, different people talk shit, but... Bob had me draw up a flyer. First time I did one in a while. Friday, September 10th. Simulacra. Dirty Dom. Delaware. Zave. Some of those metallic, heavy shit. These kids are great. Final Rape from Hudson Valley. Not One Truth. Zach. Death Metal Dante. Killing Me from Delaware. And the first show from Never Again from New Jersey. Bob Rebirth Records is putting that tape out. You can get some. And it's at this venue called The Yard in Ambler, Pennsylvania. Brought to you by Mikey the Triangle. Um, this is a new venue outside the city. Some of the city venues obviously are um, a little hard to get. So awesome to see Bob and Mikey link up for uh, a Bob Wilson joint. Make sure you support that. Going forward into the Philly calendar, it, it just gets crazier. Bob's got that Koyo band that everyone loves with Soul Blind. And um, I'll tell you what, Alex Bradley, uh, Alex Bradley, AXBX, she did Soul Blind a couple years ago. I don't think anybody paid attention, but they're fucking blowing up right now. That's going to be at the fire. We're back at the fire, people, in Philadelphia. Um, and then... The next one's the Earth Crisis, Snapcase Strife. As of now, those shows are absolutely still fucking happening. So, obviously, they're sold out. So, sorry. But, um, yeah, two nights of Strife, Earth Crisis, and Snapcase. They're going to switch up who headlines Saturday night, Earth Crisis headlines Sunday, Strife headlines. And we've got, you know, sick openers. The Sunday show is Buried Alive and Year of the Knife as the openers, which is great. We got a show the following week at the church. Drain and regulate and please die. Making up a flyer now for that. And then the day after that is Crown of Thorns and Buried Dreams of the Church. Another flyer we're going to be putting up soon. Bob has that show the following week. Straight Ritz style hardcore show flyer for Dead Heat, Pain of Truth, Life's Question, End It, Age of Apocalypse, The Fight. Be all end all. What a wild show. Then um hopefully they can come across the border, but we got comeback kid. Strike anywhere one step closer and be well at the church. Um, which is November fourth. Bob killing it again with fucking shark attack. Antidote, thou shalt not kill lineup. You know, I know Drew Stone was doing it, but this is the like Louis and M, this is the real deal. It's fucking sick. Restraining order, raw brigade, 
uh, fixation. That's a fast hardcore person's like favorite show. So that's just some of the shit we got going on. I mean, there's a million that keep going. Make sure you're supporting hardcore in your area. With the last nine minutes or less, I'm going to talk again about the support that hardcore people have given me. What hardcore has done in just in the last fucking, what has it been now? Almost two months. I mean, the Madball show was two months ago almost, which really feels so long ago already. We haven't had that many shows, but the power of hardcore to bring our friends together. And I really, God bless you all for saying we needed this is hardcore, but to pull one together, you know, uh, getting venues in the city was hard. Pull in the kind of, you know, we did, even if we had the venue, I don't know if we would have the size band necessary for that venue or any of the venues. So it, it does sucks. It does suck. I mean, this year is 15 years of this is hardcore. And I know um, that we have been consistent the whole time. Some other fests took some time off. We never did. This COVID thing really kicked me in the fucking ass. And I'm not throwing in a towel. We're reorganizing. The venues we work with are reorganizing. Um, I've said it before. Um, Brian Dilworth passing the Monday before anyone knew what COVID was. Was like a... A fucking assault on everything that this hardcore is. And so I'm glad that we didn't half-ass it. I'm glad that we didn't go and do something that would have just been a black mark on our you know, glorious record of some awesome lineups. But I miss fucking doing it. Just so everyone can get together. Um, my friend Craigie, who did the barbershop at the fest, showed up with his wife and we had dinner. And it was a great time hanging out and talking. And you know, this whole time we've been at shows, it's been the hangouts. It's been the getting together. It's been the recapping and just being able to go back to the things that we love. And so I hope with 48 episodes of this hardcore podcast so far, I'm capturing some of the stuff that we love, some of the stuff we love about the culture, and also with my nerd kind of history-minded Ideas I like to bring history into the equation, um, and also show people from time to time that you can come into hardcore and you can learn a lot and it can place it into a positive position. Look at the Jamie, look at Jamie Best, man. This uh, a complete success. Paul Conroy, there's so many people coming up on the show that have been big successes that didn't do the college thing right and have. Completely successful, satisfying careers because of hardcore people they met in it or just learning the DIY stuff, which is its own prerequisite. I don't think you can put it on a fucking resume, but damn well know it's applicable skills in the workforce. And I want people to understand the power of hardcore. And if I've done nothing in this podcast, it's to reiterate that point of the connectivity, the values that our culture have. And I'm really going to stick to that in the next 15 to 20 specifically. I've got guests lined up. I've got ideas, you know, the DIY stuff I talked about earlier. This podcast is going to continue as long as I physically can do it. I think hopefully next month or so I'm going to switch out computers because this laptop still sucks ass. 
but for now we're still recording and the issues have just been manning up the time. I just did a three and a half hour podcast for someone else's show, a kid, Nate from California. I mean, we met him 20 odd years ago. He's got this Instagram page. You might have seen it popping up called the Neanderthal Society and he's got this podcast and I went full Joe, full emo. Um, it was mad late, not as late. I mean, later than it is now, but we recorded late because of California time and shed some of my little bit of um, apprehensive and talked a little bit more about my private life. And I think that's the cool thing about when you talk to someone you're friends with on a podcast like this. You get a little bit more bare, show a little bit more of the world, what you're really feeling or what you look back on things years ago. And I'd like to take that time too and go to some people and say, hey, at the time, this is what happened. How do you feel about it now? And I, and I think that people would be surprised to hear how people like Jack Kelly have may have been one way, whether he stayed or whether or not. I don't know. We didn't do the recording yet, but Choke's going to be one of these people that was like going through some things. And go, well, how do you feel about that decision now? And that's another part that kind of loops all this back in is, you know, um, <clears throat> everything we do, we do for a reason at the time. Maybe in the future, the reasoning doesn't hold up to the will be present us, which is the future. And there's a, a tons of things that made complete sense for a former version of myself that just doesn't add up in the modern world. And you cannot always hold people to things that was done. I mean, sexual assault and, you know, child rape, even murder, you know, yeah, those are really permanently scarring things. But getting into fights at some hardcore shows, not liking certain people for childish things, having disagreements, these are temporary things. And so... When you're getting back to the world, I can't actually. That's another thing to say. There are still people who haven't been there. Their first fucking hardcore show, and I, you know, whether it's timing or they're not feeling right, or you know, they knew the Delta was coming, they just didn't want to come out. But when you when you get around people again, forgive a little. Think, how long has it been since I talked to this person, or how old were they when they did that, and how are they now? You know, like there is change. People change. People grow. Some people grow. But people definitely change over time. And whether for the better or worse, I mean, that's, that's your mileage. They say your mileage will vary. I um, This podcast helped me to understand a lot of little things. I learned just in conversations more and more about the importance of queens in all of New York hardcore, which obviously then New York hardcore helps seed all of hardcore. No, if there's no Queens Borough, there's no hardcore. That's not the way it came out to be. And that there really is a rarity in some people that are not aware of. Like, there's a there's there's generations to this thing. And Gitter was great. Gitter's like, I'm not a first generation. And I love hearing that in other shows when people say, I'm not, you know, from that first generation. Because it's such a rare breed. And so... um I should say special shout-outs to Ralphie G from The Mob, whose birthday was two days ago. He's another guy I've been trying to get on the show forever, but being an old prick and a pain in the ass, it's hard to get him on the show. 
But this first generation gave us a lot, but it's also on everybody that came after and what you did with what the work they gave you to start off your own journey did. We're all tied into this. And the more that I do these shows, it's not only to promote things people did and celebrate their lives, but also to show you that you're connected, whether it's with ideas or records that are their favorites that are also yours. But this whole thing's tied in. And it was my job doing this podcast, or the focus I was placing it on, was to show that we're all connected in some way. So thank you for the last 49 episodes. I'm doing my best to make sure number 50 is something solid. Thank you for the support. I know technical difficulties, yada, yada, yada. There's tons of me stuttering on this episode. I just wanted to put out a personal thank you. And the support has been unreal. It's helped change me. It's kept me motivated. I love the support. And you'll hear from me next week. Thank you.